Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Um, if you could open up your Bibles to the book of Joel. It's towards the uh, New Testament, the book of Joel. It's towards the middle of your Bible. I get real excited when we look at prophetic books, books of prophecy written outside our time frame by God who lives outside the dimension of time. And it's pretty neat to realize that God has something that he tells every generation of people. He prepares people for what they're going through during their time. But also sometimes he'll include in that the end times. And the book of Joel is no different. It will talk about some of the things that the people were going through in the time of Joel. But it also projects all the way to our day and beyond, to what they say and call the day of the Lord. So we're going to look at the book of Joel. We're going to look at chapter 1 tonight. And let me give you a little background on the book of Joel. Um, it was around 845 B.C. that Joel was living. It was a time of turmoil and transition in Judah. And if you have a Bible with the map in the back, Judah is the bottom part of what we know as Israel today. Back then there was Israel, the top half, the northern kingdom, and then Judah was down at the bottom. There was a queen who had a lot of control. Her name was Athila and at the beginning of the reign of King Joash. Now, Thylas seized power at the sudden death of her son, who only reigned one year, and you can read about that in 2 Kings 8.26 and 2 Kings 11.1. Now, Thylas killed all her son's heirs except for one who was hidden in the temple, and he escaped. And you know this, future king. He was only a year old at the time, and his name was Josiah. And that's in 2 Kings 11.3. Now her six-year reign of terror ended in approximately 835 B.C. when the high priest overthrew her and set the seven-year-old Josiah on the throne in 2 Kings 11, 4-21. Now, during her reign, it was craziness. It was turmoil in the kingdom. And this is the time that Joel is writing about. Now, we, I think, can relate to turmoil in our society. In our world, it's crazy. 
it seems to be getting crazier. The things that are happening. You know, just read in the newspaper, you can see that almost every day there's something going on somewhere in the world, whether it be in this country or overseas. The name Joel means Jehovah is God. His dad's name that we'll mention in uh, the verses coming up, Pethuel means vision of God. So let's jump into Joel chapter 1, and we'll see what the Lord has for us tonight. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders, and give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? First, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Remember, Joel's name means Jehovah is God. Now, just because his name means Jehovah is God doesn't mean he was a follower of God. You know, a person can call themselves <clears throat> by any name they want, but it's really their actions that, that reveal what they really believe. People can call themselves Christians, but you know and I know that over a period of time, through adversity, that they'll reveal who they really are. And sure, we're all sinners and blow it, but even when we do sin and blow it, how do we react? Are, do we ask for repentance? Or do we try to hide behind a veil, hoping that nobody recognizes anything? Do we really deal with our hearts? Or do we try to hide our hearts? The word of the Lord is something that is still prevalent in our world today. It seems, though, that the word of the Lord is trying to be suppressed and it's just spreading from one nation to another nation. We saw back in the 60s that the Bible was taken out of public schools. They were trying to quench the word of the Lord. But thank God today, still today, we have in middle schools and high schools and college campuses Bible clubs, places that the students can go after school to pray and to read scriptures, to have a Bible study. That's still, we still have those freedoms in our land. As you get closer to the book of Matthew, there's a 400-year period where the word of the Lord, where God didn't speak to the people. 400 years of silence. But that isn't the case here in Joel, and it's not the case for you and me today, praise God. We still have his word. We're sitting here opening up his word. We have that availability. And you saw with Gospel for Asia, we've seen it with the far-reaching ministries, some of the areas of the world that it's very difficult to get God's word out under you know, a threat of death. Well, thank God we don't have that yet. Will that come? Who knows? But we're concerned more right now that we have the availability of God's word, and are we hearing 
what God says. Verse 2, hear this, you elders. <clears throat> now, elders can be older people, can also be people in authority. Seems like, and maybe some of you can relate to this, as we get older, it seems that we take God more serious. Because we understand the brevity of life. We understand the things that people go through, the tragedies whether it be through sickness or accidents, whatever goes on. It seems that as we get closer to meeting the Lord face to face, we seem to have more wisdom. However, <clears throat> young people, early 20s, early 30s, that should not prevent you from growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and growing in your stature with the Lord. It's really just a heart issue. How much do you want God to be in your life? And that doesn't only apply to the young people, but all of us. How much do we want God to influence us? And here Joel is trying to say, all you inhabitants of the land, has anything like this happened in your days or even in the days of your fathers? Now we'll see a little bit what's going on at this point in history, but I have a question to you. If you were to describe to people a hundred years ago, or just think about you if you're in here tonight and you're over 30 years old, the changes in our society, the things that we've experienced in the last 20 or 30 years, Think about it. Think of the technology. Think about some of the things that are going on in our world that could have never taken place 100 years ago. Whether it be travel, communication. How close has the world become in the last 15, 20 years? Something happens over in the Middle East, we find out about it in seconds, minutes, if not seconds. So what is this that Joel is saying? Has anything like this happened in your days or even in the days of your father? And then in verse 3, tell your children about it and let your children tell their children and their children another generation. Is that happening today, do you think? Where things are going from one generation to another that, that people are learning from the mistakes and the history that has taken place in the past? What do you think? I think sometimes yes, and sometimes no, don't you? I think sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But I'll tell you, in our society that we live in today here in the United States of America, are we really learning from past mistakes? Are we learning from past nations what they've done with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, with what they've done with Jesus Christ? Have we learned from them? Or are we as a nation falling into the same mistakes and traps that they did? Remember as we look at this book, 
In one or uh, two Peter one twenty one, it says, "For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit." Whenever you and I come together here, or when you're at home at your quiet time and you're reading your Scripture, you're dependent on that same Holy Spirit that spoke to men like Joel. And we know very little bit about Joel. Very little. How much do people know about you and me in the whole scheme of things? But yet, how important are we like Joel that we know Jehovah is God, which is what his name meant? And how well do we represent our God? in our thoughts, in our actions, in our way we deal with other people? Do we see God working in our hearts? In Jeremiah 5.21 it says, Hear this now, O foolish people, without understanding who, who have eyes and see not, and who have ears and hear not. May that never be you and I that we always have the spiritual ears and eyes and heart to receive the things that God wants us to see. Revelation 2.7 speaks of, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Depending on where you and I are spiritually right now, God always wants us to be eating of the tree of life, which is him. He always wants us to be plugged into the streams of living water, which is Jesus. That's the only way you and I are going to bear any fruit in our life as we walk with Jesus day by day, month by month, year by year. Are we plugged in? And you know what? Um, The title of the message tonight is Listen. Are you listening to the things that God is trying to use to get your attention for you to walk closer with him? You know, in the sports, we go, heads up, or guys, listen. You're trying to get their attention. Well, Joel was trying to get the attention of the people in his day. But I believe, and I think you do too, that God is trying to always get our attention. Do we have those ears and eyes to hear and listen? And as we, before we move into verse 4, just closing on verse 3 again, it says... This may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? This is a verse in the Old Testament. Um, What do we have in the past that we can tell others about, about Jesus, or about the Old Testament prophets, or about the Garden of Eden? or about the things that took place with Moses and the Ten Commandments and the plagues that can point to things that are going on today. What do we have? We have a whole Bible that is full of information that we can refer back to from Genesis to Revelation and piece it together to show others what these things meant. The Bible is a book that reads as one book. It's not just the 66 different books. It's one book written by one author, Jesus Christ, who inspired the men to write it. 
Let's go to verse 4. What the chewing locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the crawling locust has eaten. And what the crawling locust left, the consuming locust has eaten. Now again, back in Joel's day, agriculture was a huge part of the existence of the people. When there was a swarm of locusts attacking, it would wipe out a whole crop. Locusts, just picture this, picture a whole mess of locusts coming and just landing in a field. Let's say some of those locusts, as they're eating, are also laying eggs. And they go off, one group of locusts go off to another field. And they left their eggs and the, the eggs hatch. And when the eggs hatch, those locusts are like ants. They'll be crawling around for a while. They'll be still eating. And then when they can fly, they'll fly and they'll destroy more crops. Well, Joel is telling of a situation that's going to be taking place in this country, in Judah, the southern part of Israel. And remember, this is before Israel and Judah went into captivity, Israel to the Assyrians and Judah to the Babylonian captivity. So this is before this has taken place, but he's trying to get their attention. Now remember this throughout the story of Joel. It's a bummer only for those people who don't repent and look to the Lord. For those of us who are following Jesus, for those of us who are repenting and getting back right with the Lord, things that Joel is speaking about that had applied in the past that might be applying to us in the future, there's a deliverance in the Lord. There's not a punishment or a judgment coming. You've already been judged. I've already been judged through the cross, through what Jesus did at the cross. But here we see a chewing, swarming, crawling, and consuming locust. We see a progression of destruction. What has been destroyed in our society since you were little boys and girls? What has been destroyed in our society, spiritually speaking? Think about it. What has been destroyed in our society since we were young in, on TV or on the radio or in the movies? Think of what has, is allowed now that we would have never seen or heard back when we were younger. For the young people, they're being born into the age of all this promiscuity and permissiveness. That's all they know. Most of us have come from a society that had more morals and more, more integrity. And we can see how it's changed over the past 40 or 50 years. But think about the young people that don't have that. Really, the only way they get it is if they're put in an environment where they can be shown how it used to be. They can be shown where you came from and I came from that society. We can point them even further back 
to the New Testament and the Old Testament, the things that were being dealt with. But we need to pray for our young people that God really removes the scales from their eyes. Think of this, that alcoholism is the number one killer of young people. Alcoholism, the number one killer. And that a person, any age, that is using marijuana on a constant, a consistent level is becoming depressed, their grades are falling down, their life is becoming more and more isolated. So these are things that are going on and these are things that are, we're dealing with with our teens, our preteens, our young adults, right up into the 30s because they've come out of that culture. 30 years old is only 15 years ago that they were 15 years old or 18 years old. So keep praying for our young people besides ourselves. A progression of destruction that we see in chapter 4. Remember, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's doing one heck of a job. But Jesus has set apart you and I to knock down the gates of hell. Through the power of his Holy Spirit, through the positions he puts us in, in all types of ministries. In all types of ministries. Verse 5. Awake, you drunkards, and weep, and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it has been cut off from your mouth. I just mentioned about alcoholism and the effect on our society and just how prevalent it is every day on TV as an advertisement. In Romans 13, 11, it says, And do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I think we know this, but it's always good to hear it. We're closer right now to seeing Jesus face to face than we were when we woke up this morning. How about that, huh? We're that much closer to seeing him face to face than we were when we woke up this morning. But yet, people go around in a spiritually drunken state a spiritually blind state because they're drunk with the things of the world. Their spirit is suppressed. But you, myself, other people who are in God's Word, that's not going to happen to us. That's the good news. We stay plugged in and abiding in the vine. God's going to keep us alert to all those things that are coming into our society. And I believe soon, that there's going to be more and more people wondering what the heck is going on in this world. And you'll have the answer for them. They'll be looking for answers because they can't get it out in the world. All the presidents have shown that. Donald Trump might be leading the polls, and this is not a political advertisement for any of the candidates. But none of them have the answer outside of Jesus Christ. It might sound good, but the thing that's wrong with this country and this world is spiritual. It has nothing to do with anything else. 
And remember what God said, that he will not strive with man forever, and then there was the flood. God is long-suffering. He's very patient with us in our society today with everything that's going on. But when does he just say, enough? When, when is that coming? When we saw the 9-11 and um, Todd Beamer and that whole thing with the men on the plane and they said, let's roll, there was a cartoon that I saw where Jesus and all his angels and all the hosts were behind him and they showed the planet Earth in the distance and he was up in the clouds and he was looking at him and he goes, let's roll. When is that time going to happen when Jesus just comes down out of the sky, calls us up in the air, get chills thinking about it. That day's coming. And you know what's awesome? You're either going to be in the position of going up to meet him in the air or you're going to be coming down with him into the clouds. So either way, you're going to have a great, great viewpoint. And it's going to be an exciting day. It's going to be an awesome day. Verse 6, For a nation has come up against my land, strong and without number. His teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he has the fangs of a fierce lion. Now Joel is speaking, we saw like a destruction, a famine type of destruction, an economic destruction with the swarming of the locusts. Now we're looking at a nation has come up against my land, strong and without number. His teeth are the teeth of a lion and he has the fangs of a fierce lion. Now from a historical point of view, we can go back and see that he was talking about the Babylonian Empire that came in and invaded Judah, broke up the nation, and took captives away. God loves the people that lived at this time just like he loved the people or that he loves the people today. What is it going to take for our world what is it going to take for our nation to turn to look to the living God? I believe throughout history we see God always trying to reach out to the world because he doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to life in him. I believe we see signs, if you're paying attention, of things getting hotter and hotter and closer and closer to when Jesus is going to call us home. Things are going on right now with Russia fighting over in Syria. Right around the Damascus area. And that's one of the next prophecies. The destruction of Damascus. I think besides Jerusalem, Damascus might, is, one, is the oldest city, but it might be the, one of the most popular cities right with Jerusalem. There's always been turmoil and there's always been a, an importance of Damascus. And that's right in the area that everything's going on right now. As we are worried about the election and our economy and what the new iPhone is going to be, 
Putin is just moving across right above Israel, north of Israel. And most of you know that in the Bible, there's a prophecy that says a nation from the north, God's going to put hooks in their jaw and pull them down into Israel. And whether that be Muslim nations or Russia themselves, boy, keep your eyes on Damascus. Keep your eyes on Jerusalem. That's your clock. We can be sort of buffered here in the United States. But what is God going to do to wake up the people here in the United States that were founded on Judeo-Christian principles? Since we're not a Christian nation anymore, according to our leader in the White House. If my people will pray and humble themselves. If you saw a war room, we need a whole nation of war rooms going on. huh? All of us need to be warriors in the war room and just pray for each other, for our, for our young people, for our country, for our president, for Israel. Remember, Israel is going to stand alone. What's going to be your stance and my stance? Israel is still the apple of God's eye, regardless of what organizations like to think. God will not forsake Israel, nor should any of us. So in verse 6, talking about a nation that's going to come down. Verse 7, He has laid waste my vine and ruined my fig tree. He has stripped it bare and thrown it away. Its branches are made white. Again, just destruction. But I look at this today and I think of what's the symbolism of the vine, the fig tree, about being stripped bare and thrown away. Branches are made white. There is a destruction there, but I also think there's a challenge for you and me. You and I are supposed to be abiding in the vine. Is there something else that's taken our affection? Is there something else that's taken us away from being plugged into Jesus Christ? Is it something at home, something at work, something in the world, something on the computer? What is it? What is it that's vying for our affections? Ruin my fig tree. God uses the fig tree for, different, for Israel and different things going on over there. Fig tree is also producing fruit. And remember, Jesus condemned the fig tree that didn't produce fruit. What is ruining your fruit production for Jesus Christ? Is it your age? Is it your sex? male or female? What is it that keeps you from producing fruit for the Lord? And why? Why is that happening? Don't let it happen. What is God trying to say to you and to me through the book of Joel? Verse 8, Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. Think of that young girl 
the virgin girl who gets married and she is lamenting because that husband is no more. The wailing and crying for her lost love. Ask God to break your heart with the, with the things that break His. Ask God to touch your heart with the things that touches His. We need to have that heart of the Lord so we have a sensitivity to the things that are going on right in our sphere so that we can be a minister of Jesus Christ right there. Could be right in your home to your mate or to your, maybe to your parents who are getting older. Maybe to your kids, grandkids, neighbor. Ask God to show you and to break your heart with what breaks His, that we may have the heart of the Lord and not our own heart. Verse 9, the grain offering and the drink offering have been cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn who ministered to the Lord. The grain offering and the drink offering were sacrificial offerings brought into the temple. Now all of a sudden it's, it's going to be cut off. Why is it going to be cut off? Is, is that because of a national tragedy? Is that because of the destruction of the crops? But see, you and I, God doesn't want to sacrifice from you and me. We don't have to worry about the physical grain or a drink offering. What he requires from you and I is a broken and a contrite spirit. A repented heart. A heart that's broken, I believe, with the things that break his. The priests mourn who minister to the Lord. I pray for the pastors, the elders, throughout our world that they would get on their knees before the Lord and just ask for his heart. That they would be truly servants of the Lord to have a heart like Jesus who was the lowliest and he wanted to serve others. He wasn't puffed up. He didn't have a $100,000 chariot that was pulled by five horses or 10, 20 horses. He was lowly. He calls us to be a servant like him, to serve others while we're here on this earth. You princesses and princes of the king, your princesses and princes of the king. We will see that one day, but not while we're on this earth. Now we're to be that lowly servant who are with our dad in heaven empowering us to live the servant's life. God's spirit is a controlling force of life. And when his spirit 
will be removed one day, everything will collapse. When his spirit is removed from a situation, catastrophe occurs and judgment hits. This is one of the main messages of the book of Joel. Joel saw clearly to the end of history, the end of the human race. Not only to the year 2015, but to the final stages of God's dealing with the human race. He's going to connect the future to the events in his own day. I think in our country, the locust has already hit, spiritually speaking. I think you and I are a remnant here on the, this area. And there's a lot of brothers and sisters in our country that are remnants and throughout the world. But remember, we have in the book of Joel, in the next couple chapters, a restoration of what the locust destroyed, God can build back up. I think he's done that in your life and my life. We were once lost in sin. Now we're free in Jesus Christ and saved because of his cross and his blood. And hopefully you're experiencing that abundant life regardless of what you're going through because you're following lead of his Holy Spirit. Again, Joel can be a book that's a bummer, but it's only a bummer for those who don't know Jesus. For those who know Jesus, it's an encouragement, it's a deliverance, and it's a heads up and to listen up for the things that are coming into your life and my life that we're going to see even more and more of Jesus. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m., and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.